right, if you open up your Bibles to Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start chapter 3 today. We do have the handouts uh, over there by the table, by the the donation box, so if you get a chance to to grab that, it might be a little easier for you. And so Colossians 3, we're talking about the new perspective in Christ and the new man in Christ. What's that? Yeah, it's, they got the green light. One, two. One, two. Seems like it's coming out now. All right. All right, so as you open up to Colossians chapter 3, let's go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you, Lord, for the people that are here. I pray for those who couldn't make it, that maybe they can watch it online. Um, I pray that you be with them as you be with us. But I thank you, Lord, that uh, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of a culture gone mad, in the midst of a culture that knows not your son, I thank you, Lord, that there is a remnant. I thank you, Lord, that It's not just the people that are in this building today that are the remnant. There's a remnant throughout our county and throughout our state and country and the world. A remnant of people who trust in your son Jesus for salvation. A remnant of people who love your word. And so I pray, Lord, that the the people that are here, they came to worship you and hear your word proclaimed. Uh, They're fed up with fake news. And so I pray they would not hear fake news from this pulpit today, but they would hear your truth. And so I pray that you would cancel the man today, that um, you would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so I would not lead anyone astray and empower us to understand your word and empower us to obey your word and apply these truths to our lives so that we could be pleasing in your sight through the power of the Holy Spirit, and for your glory. May we build your kingdom, Lord, and not our own. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So remember Paul's letter to the Colossians. This is a, a church family that had faith, hope, and love. Paul was very encouraged by them. His buddy Epaphras planted the church out there. And so Paul's real happy, but he gets word from Epaphras that there's false teachers all around. So even if if we were doing, if we assume we were doing as good as the Colossians, if Paul wrote us a letter, he would say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm really, thank God for you. But he'd have to address all the negative, anti-Christian influences and the false teachers and the false prophets in our not, not just in our Bremerton area nowadays with the internet, he'd have to deal with all the fake news and the heresies um, and the false teachings that are out there. And so Paul is really pleased at how they're doing, but he has to remind them that because Jesus is God, he's God the Son become a man, because he is the creator and the sustainer of that which he has created, he sustains our existence, Because he's the redeemer, he provided salvation for us. Because he's the head of the church and he rules over all creation, 
therefore we are complete in Christ. It's not, it's not like you need Jesus and plus something else. If you're not satisfied with Jesus, and you think, well, I need Jesus plus something else, eventually that something else is going to just swallow up the whole Jesus deal. We see this with even churches in our area that have been preaching the word for generations. And they think they need something else. So they start moving towards political correctness. One thing leads to another. Next thing you know, they're no longer preaching the gospel. You're complete in Christ. Don't think I need something beyond Jesus to enhance uh, my walk with the Lord. You're complete in Christ. Jesus is our wisdom. We don't need the world's false wisdom. Now, we can learn a lot about what God has revealed through nature. He hasn't just revealed himself in his word and through miracles. He's also revealed himself to us through nature. We can learn an awful lot about God through that, but we must reject anything that contradicts the word of God. Okay? Jesus is our wisdom. We don't need the world's false wisdom. You know, I've been talking about it from this pulpit for, for quite some time now. The, the world's false wisdom used to sound so close to biblical truth, it was just, but it was a counterfeit. But as time goes on, the gap between God's truth and what the world claims is true, the gap is getting larger and larger and larger. So that's why I say when a culture rejects God, the alternative is insanity. We've been around on this planet, you know, 6,000 years. If you're an old earth creationist, you'd think it was longer than that. Um, but we've been around long enough, so we should know what a woman is. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, once you reject God, you have no idea what a human being is. Because we were created in God's image. And so then, if you reject the Creator, you've got to recreate yourself. And so now, we've got the world's false wisdom is getting more and more demonic, more and more satanic, more and more anti-Christian. Uh, we should be content with Christ. He is our wisdom. Okay? And uh, we should not be deceived by the basic principles of the world, whether we find that in atheistic evolution. By the way, it, it amazes me. I was even, I was looking at uh, Harari's work, Harari's work, in his uh, Homo Deus, uh, his book where he's arguing that man is becoming God, it's this, this false teacher that uh, Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab and former President Obama really love this guy. And, um, but it shocked me when he brought up the 2012 surveys and polls taken about how many people still believe that God created the universe just a few thousand years ago. That's what I believe. I take Genesis 1 through 11 literally. And um, such a high percentage of Americans still believe that. And then another big chunk believe uh, that God used evolution and just a tiny little fraction have bought into atheistic evolution. So what I'm getting at is as dumbed down as Americans have become because of the fake 
news and the false teachings that have indoctrinated our you know generations of children, uh, it's still tough to shake people of the truth. And so we're not alone. There is a remnant. And we're at a point in time where most Americans know, even if they're not Christians, they've had enough Christian teaching to where they know that this is a bunch of baloney. This critical race theory and, and um, this gender confusion that the, our, our leaders are forcing on us. Uh, most Americans know that that's a bunch of baloney, but they're afraid to speak up against it for fear they might lose their jobs, for fear they might be ridiculed. But key, there's more people around that think like us. Many of them are believers. Some of them aren't, but they're open to the gospel. Don't lose heart, brothers and sisters. Don't lose heart. But in the end, the whole world can turn against God. And you still be content with King Jesus. Okay, I don't care if Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates end up ruling the world, assuming they don't already. My God is still king. He's still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he will return because he keeps his promises. He promised to return. And so be content with Jesus. Don't be deceived by the basic principles of the world Atheistic evolution, just explaining everything in materialistic terms. Don't put yourself under the rules and regulations of the Old Testament law that Jesus fulfilled. Or don't place yourself under Gnostic, mystical, New Age, occultic rules and principles. The old you is dead. You died in Christ. Now the new you is alive in Christ. So don't live like the old you. For the Colossians, they were just full-blown, ancient pagans. And then they came to Jesus. For us, we were modern, respectful pagans before we came to Jesus. We, you know, we wore suits. And, uh, and you know, now some of the old pagan practices are coming back. I, I was going to say, we were... Respectful, modern pagans. We didn't cut ourselves. People cutting themselves, that's a, that's a pretty common thing in America. We're taking on an awful lot of pagan practices. And it's hard for us Christians to figure out what is the line between Christianity and paganism as we find this neo-paganism come into our world. Well, the old you is dead. You know, somebody takes off Phil Fernandez, you know, and I forget how old I am. You know, I watch the news now, and they talked about that guy, that um, manager at that store, I think in Harlem. And a young guy was beating up this old man, and the old man had to defend himself and ended up stabbing the guy. And there was a big, big uproar about it because they arrested him. Eventually, they dropped charges and realized it was just self-defense. Um, but they felt, I felt so bad for the old man. They said, you know, this young guy in his 30s beat up this old man and this and blah. And they said he was 62. And, um, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm 62. 
So if I get beat up by a young guy, they're going to point out, they beat up this poor, decrepit old man named Phil Fernandez and stuff. And, but even if this old man, whose athletic days are gone by decades, even if I got, you know, somebody got me angry and I thought, man, I, if I wasn't so old, I'd, you know, pop this guy. Well, guess what? The old Phil Fernandez is dead. I don't have to think that way anymore. And I don't know what you, what you were like before you got saved. Let's face it, some of us are still hard to get along with even after we got saved. But God's still working on all of us. But, but whatever the case, every once in a while, the old you grabs his ugly head. The old you wants to make a comeback. You got to say, you know what? I can look in the mirror and think I'm the same guy I used to be. Only now I got wrinkles and the muscles are sagging and stuff. But, but I can look in that mirror and think I'm the old guy I used to be, but I'm not. Because I don't live by sight. I live by faith in the Lord. And the Lord tells me, Phil Fernandez is dead. The old Phil Fernandez died with Christ. Now I've been raised to new life and I've got to live that way. We have to live that way. And so Paul's saying, don't go back to these Gnostic, mystery, false religions, these pagan religions, or focus on the basic principles of the world. Don't go back to that stuff. You know, the stars do not control your destiny. God does. And so you trust. We trust in the one who made the stars. Okay? We don't stoop to the level of the pagans. We don't demote Jesus uh, to some angelic being. He created the angels. And so because of all this, Paul now tells us, tells the Colossians to set your mind on heavenly things. So look at verses 1 to 4 of Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on, on heavenly things. If then you were raised with Christ, so if you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, we got some visitors here today. If you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, you're still hellbound. You're still lost. You've got to say, look, I, I do not trust myself and my own righteousness. I believe there's a God. I'm not him. I need to trust in the Lord Jesus alone for salvation. God the Father sent his son to become a man and die on the cross for my sins. And he raised him from the dead to conquer death for me. If you trust in Jesus for salvation... Then you died with Christ. And then verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, if then you were raised with Christ, so then you're raised with Christ. So Paul's saying, if you're a believer, the old you is dead. The new man was raised with Christ. So now, as a believer, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we are to set our minds on heavenly things, not on temporary earth, earthly regulations like the Old Testament laws. They were from God. But they pointed to Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, we don't need the Old Testament ceremonial laws. And so um, 
uh, Gentiles don't need to get circumcised. Don't focus on temporary earthly regulations, but set your mind on the eternal things of God. Uh, we're not to focus on earthly treasures. Look at Matthew 6, 19 to 21. I have a typo in your nose. It should be Matthew 6, 19 to 21. In the Sermon on the Mount, with so many people, so many non-believers love the Sermon on the Mount because they either haven't read it or they don't understand it. The Sermon on the Mount is all about without Jesus, you can't please God. Without Jesus, you're lost. Without Jesus, you're going to hell. And you get people who love the Sermon on the Mount because they love to pull verses out of context. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? See, this is why we, we, we give. We donate to the church. We donate to feed the hungry. Uh, we share our goods with others. It's not because God wants your money. It's because God wants your heart. Okay, and um, and so here we're supposed to be seeking the eternal treasures of heaven rather than focusing on the things of this earth. Remember, you know, God God's going to call some of us, some of us in this room. God's going to call some of us to be prosperous, some of us to be poor, some of us to be middle class, whatever it may be. But you you've got to. It's not a sin to be wealthy. Uh, it's not, a, um, our goal isn't to be poor, okay? Our goal is to be pleasing to the Lord and seek His ways first, seek His kingdom first, and then where we find ourselves, we're responsible for what God blesses us with, but we've got to place God first. And uh, so don't focus on uh, earthly treasures. Paul tells us our true life is hidden in Christ. The old you is dead. You're not who you used to be. Satan lies to us. He tries to convince us that we're the same person we used to be. You're not. If you're trusting in Jesus, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Why do we constantly, and I'm speaking to us as a church and myself as your pastor, how come it's so hard to tell the difference between us and people in the world? Amen. Okay? On a good day, when I'm filled with the Spirit, man, it doesn't take more than five, ten seconds. And that cashier at Fred Meyers or Walmart, they know this guy's a Christian. He's one of those Christians. Whether they like Christians or not, they can tell on a good day. On a bad day, you could spend the whole day with me. And you think, man, what an obnoxious jerk that guy is. Okay? Um, look, the old you is dead. You're not who you used to be. We were raised with Christ to new life. Okay? Jesus is at the Father's right hand. That's the ultimate position of authority in the universe. We're raised with Christ to new life. Jesus is in control. 
we need to start to view reality through Jesus' eyes. Okay? I'm telling you, um, one of the biggest problems in America today, we can list lots of problems. The, the sexual immorality that's promoted and transgenderism and critical race theory, which is actually racist itself. And, I mean, the list goes the socialism in this country and our leaders who want to be tyrants and want to control every move we make. And there's people in this world that uh, want to depopulate the planet and, and they're in positions of power. There's lots of bad things that are out there. But let me tell you what, you know what the biggest problem with America is right now? The biggest problem in America right now is that the church is not seeking treasures in heaven. Okay? Let me tell you, Jesus has got his military here on earth. Now, apart from the, these angelic hosts, he's got, and the saints that have gone to be with him, on earth, he's got his military and what are we doing in America? We're, we're, we're focused on the things of this world almost as much as the world is. And the world is just being the world. But with us, it's a bunch of new people pretending to be the old people they once were. Okay? Um, we need to get to that point where we're no longer attached uh, to the things uh, of this world and let me tell you, too, how demonic tyrants play into that. Um, Harari was asked, well, when people become useless, when AI, artificial intelligence, does everything, and people are going to be useless, and Harari thinks we're going to have the technology defeat them all and all, he says, well, what are you going to do with them? They're going to be bored. And he talks about some want to just exterminate you know, billions of people, they're useless. That's the way they view. They don't, they don't view us as created in God's image. Okay? In a world without God, there are no human rights. In a world without God, the ancient Greek uh, philosopher, Thrasymachus, he believed there's no such thing as right and wrong, then might is right. Friedrich Nietzsche called it man's will to power. Once truth and morality are gone, then whoever has the most power, they're going to make the rules arbitrary rules that protect themselves and step on people. But they ask Harari, what, what are we going to do with all these useless people? Once we have like the superhumans who are part computer, part human, human-machine hybrids and artificial intelligence and this and that, and he said, well, I guess we'll have to give them drugs and computer games and make virtual, the virtual reality world so exciting for them because the real world will be um, so boring. I tell my students year after year, I've been telling them for 23 years at the Christian high school I teach at, that politically speaking, the only thing worse than being a slave who knows he's a slave is being a slave and still thinking you're free. And so the real world is not this. It's not your smartphone. It's not the Internet. The real world is it's outside of there. I'm telling you, though, that there's... Um, the atheists right now, and they're demonic atheists, they're starting to view human, all the creation as kind of like uh, uh, a computer program. And you can delete files. 
and um, and they're talking about deleting humans. But but uh, let me ask you this: If people said, "Look, we're going to make life on planet Earth so miserable, we're going to outlaw God, but we're going to give you drugs that make you feel good and virtual reality to where you can have your own dream world and won't have to worry about it, would that be okay? How many people on this planet that don't know Jesus would just sign up, say, hey, sign me up, and, and we'll feed you. All your needs are taken care of. You don't even have to work. But my question is, how many people profess to be Christians? And we'd be tempted to cave into that. Don't forget, the Bible teaches someday the Antichrist, the demon-possessed man, will rule the world. And you have to worship him and accept the mark of the beast, the 666, on your right hand or forehead, or you can't buy or sell. I'm hoping that before the Antichrist shows up, before uh, we end up with global government trying to control human beings genetically and controlling our environment, I'm hoping before all that comes down, we'll already make the decision that I love, I hope each and every one of us can say this, I love Jesus more than I love food and water. I love Jesus more than I love shelter. Okay? Um, and so we need to, and I'm just not, I'm not talking about political freedom, I'm talking about spiritual freedom. We need to put our focus on Jesus. Okay? And um, if you were sharing the gospel and guys started beating you up for doing it and threw you on the ground and started stomping on you, you wouldn't feel like a winner. But if your mind is set on the things of God and not on the things of the world, you know if four guys are stomping on you for preaching the gospel, they're the losers. And you're the winner. Okay? We've got to live... By faith in Jesus and his word, not by sight. We've got to be controlled, not by our circumstances, but we need to trust in the one who's in control of our circumstances. And, uh, and so we have to focus on the eternal things of God and recognize that our true life is hidden in Christ. When I look in that mirror, I say, okay, there's another gray hair. There's another wrinkle. Man, I'm on the way out. How many years of preaching? I'm hoping for another three or four decades here. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, uh, but as on the outside, I'm deteriorating. If I'm focused on, focusing on the spiritual things of God, then I'm growing and getting stronger spiritually. And... Um, I've got to understand, you've got to understand, our true life is hidden in Christ. When people look at you, and they look at your bank account, and they look at your house and all, they think, man, that's all he's got. Okay? Let me tell you, the true Phil Fernandez, my true life, it's hidden in Christ. Don't underestimate this five foot five guy that you're looking at right now. 
There's more to me than meets the eyes. Because I belong to the king. And if you belong to the king, your true life is hidden in Christ. And you think, you know, Bill Gates is going to look at you and go, ooh and ah. No, he's not going to be impressed. Why? Because he's focusing on earthly treasures, not the eternal things of God. And, uh, you know, that's why the God, Jesus tells us, uh, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We've got to make the choice. If you want to try to gain the whole world or collect toys on earth or you want to focus on, on King Jesus? Well, Jesus is in control of the Father's right hand. We need to view reality uh, through his eyes, uh, not through the eyes of CNN or whatever it might be. Look at uh, John 16.33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace is that freedom from worry, freedom from stress, freedom from anxiety. It's living a harmonious life. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay? Whenever something goes bad, I'm always like, why, Lord? Why did you allow this to happen to me? I don't remember seeing this in the contract, you know? In the covenant we made. Well, let's wait. It's like, well, this is the contract. The word of God. And it's plastered all over there that God tells us we will have tribulation. So why do we get so surprised? Okay? God's word says everyone, every Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, everyone who desires to live righteous lives will suffer persecution. Okay? And, um, and so we've got we to view reality through Jesus' eyes. Um, yes, we see the wicked prosper, and often the righteous get stomped on. Even when, when a righteous guy is a good businessman, uh, if he starts standing up for what is right and what is true and starts standing up for the Lord, the world will try to crush him. If you don't ask, if you don't believe me, go, go talk to Mike Lindell. Okay, the, the my pillow guy. Um, uh, this world will try to stomp us out, but we got to review reality through Jesus' eyes. Look, Jesus wins. I'll be honest with you; he already won. He's just got to come back and take what is his. Okay, and what, what's taking him so long? Well, he's desiring that last guy or gal who's going to come to Christ before he returns to come to Christ before he returns. And so he's patient, and, um, but he will come back. Paul tells us in this passage about setting our minds on heavenly things that uh, Jesus is our life. We live, we should live for him, not for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul talks about Jesus. He says, and he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Are you living for Jesus? If you're a true believer, Jesus is your life. You need to be living for Jesus. And then look at Galatians 2.20. Paul 
Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 20, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. If you're a believer, you can say that. You have been crucified with Christ. When Jesus died, when you trusted Jesus for salvation, the old you died. The old you was nailed to that cross with Jesus. I am in crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. See, you're a new creation in Christ. The old you is dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So right now, you, you should be living a personal love, trust, that's what faith is, trust, a personal love, trust relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you think what Jesus wants you to think. You go where Jesus wants you to go. You do what Jesus wants you to do. Because the Phil Fernandez agenda is dead. Your old agenda is dead. We have a new agenda now, and it's called the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus will, reveal, will prevail. He will bring the kingdom of God to earth. So all those who trust in Jesus from the heart, we are victorious. We are the winners. But I'm telling you, Days are coming for America and for Western civilization where we're not going to look like the winners at all. We're going to have power-hungry individuals trampling all over us and our rights. But if we set our minds on the eternal things of God, not on the things of the world, we'll pity them rather than pity ourselves. We'll pray for them. And love them, even though they persecute us. Um, but Jesus is our life. We need to live for him, not for ourselves. Are you living for Jesus right now? I mean, even pastors in ministry have to ask this question. Am I, if I'm trying to build my own kingdom, um, that's not pleasing to the Lord. I've got to try to build the kingdom of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory, and I understand it won't be completely built until King Jesus takes his stand upon the earth. But I'm living for Jesus. I'm putting his kingdom and his righteousness first. And I'm doing all things for the glory of God, not for myself. That's what it means uh, to live for Jesus, not yourself. That's what it means to say that Jesus is your life. Okay? I'm telling you, I don't like, I'm, I'm not a big, I need a lot of help on fasting. I, I do not do well with fasting, okay? And I like eating my food, but I got to remind myself, I mean, you know, I need to probably start fasting just to, just to practice, just to get ready, to get closer to God, but get ready for the times ahead, okay? I mean, you, we, we got political leaders that eat steak. That's not surprising. But these political leaders who eat steak want us to eat insects and um, artificial meat. It's like, come on, Bill Gates. You want me to put bugs in my mouth? No, I want to hang out with you and eat some of your steak. Okay? Um, our God is a good God. And 
he gave us animals to eat after the flood, but um, uh, but even that meat, I gotta love King Jesus more than my next meal. Okay, and um, Jesus is our life. Now, when Jesus returns, the true us will appear with them in glory. See, people can look at you and they can look at me, and they can say, "Man." It, not very impressive. And there's lots of ways. I mean, there could be an athlete, a young athlete can look at me or you and say, uh, that guy's not, not physically impressive at all. Uh, maybe uh, a Bill Gates-type billionaire can look at our bank account and say, wow, that's not impressive at all. Okay? And, um, uh, but if Jesus is our life, okay, and we're not who we used to be, people aren't going to find out. Don't, don't feel bad when people look at you and they say, man, dude, you're a loser. Now, if you give them evidence to think you're a loser, okay, like you keep spending more money than you make and you're addicted to gambling and drinking or something, I mean, hey, yeah, you're a loser, okay? You got to stop. You got to turn to Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we win. But if you're serving Jesus and being all that God's called you to be, let's say you're even a successful businessman, but then the government outlaws Christianity, so you're a Christian, and you don't jump when they say jump, so you get fired, okay? And then the world starts calling you a loser. Don't, don't feel bad about that, okay? Um, if Jesus is your life, until Jesus returns the true us, the world's not going to see who you really are. Okay? Look at 1 John chapter 3. The true you is hidden in Christ. Okay? And, uh, you know, so when the world looks at us and says, you're not very impressive, it's like, well, you're not looking at the true me. God's still working on me, but I belong to Jesus my real life is hidden in Christ. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Let me just stop right there. A lot of people I say, well, we're all children of God, because God created all of us. Yeah, well, being a child of God, being in the family of Adam... Being a child of God by, through creation, that's not good enough. That just means you're hellbound. You've got to be in the second Adam, in his family, to be a child of God through redemption and through salvation. But, you know, John is saying, boy, God loves us. God the Father loves us so much and has poured so much love on us that we could be called the children of God. Now, if I stood here next to Bill Gates and we asked the world, who's the success and who's the failure? Who are most people on the planet going to choose? They're going to say Bill Gates is the success. Fernandez is the, the failure. Guess what? Only one of us two can be called the child of God. And his name isn't Bill Gates. You gotta decide, do I really want to be a winner in Jesus' victory? Or do I want to be a winner in the eyes of the world? 
Oh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God loves us, poured so much love on us that we should be called the children of God. If you remember nothing else when you go home today, just remember, I'm a child of God. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, you are a child of God. I don't care if your friends, your neighbors, politicians call you all kinds of names. And by, by the way, let me tell you, we got to get thick, thicker skin, church. All people have to do is they just call you a racist or they just call you an intolerant bigot. If somebody just calls you names, you do, you do what I would probably do. You just, we just shut up. We got to stop acting like the losers the world thinks we are. And we got to start acting like the winners that we know we are in Christ. Okay? This world is passing. I'm not going to lie to you and say it's going to be smooth sailing here in the United States of America. We live in a culture that does not love Jesus. And Jesus said, if you find the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. It just comes with the turf. You love King Jesus. Um, you want to please Jesus. It's going to be impossible to please uh, the world. But when Jesus returns, the true us will also appear with them in glory. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. The world doesn't know Jesus. They're going to look at Phil Fran and say, man, what a loser. What a loser. And uh, no, I'm a child of God. You don't know who I really am because you don't know my king. You don't know Jesus. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we shall know that when he is revealed, when Jesus returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So when Jesus returns, the true us will also appear with him in glory. Our mortal bodies will have been put on immortality. We'll have our glorified bodies. Uh, no more pain, no more suffering. And so when we return with Jesus, then, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, then it will become manifest who the real sons of God are. You know, you can get Hindus who say that they're sons of God or, or uh, Muslims or whatever, okay? Well, the true sons of God are going to be manifest when our king returns and takes his stand upon the earth. Then, uh, uh, at that point, people will see that when Jesus returns, the true us will also appear with them in glory. People will see us as we truly are in Christ. Jesus will complete the work that he started in us, so even our bodies uh, will be redeemed. And uh, our mortal bodies will put on uh, immortality. So what, what, what Paul is telling us back in Colossians 3, 
put your spiritual needs above your physical needs, even above your intellectual needs. One of the world's leading defenders of the Christian faith, who's been debating on college campuses for like 40 years all over the world, and Ivy League schools, European schools, and stuff. And, uh, and now he writes a book where he's still trusting in Jesus for salvation, but he believes God used evolution. That God did not create Adam from the dust of the ground and Eve from his side. They both evolved from subhumans. And um, you know what? Uh, I really think that it's not his research that has led him in that direction. It's that he felt this need to have intellectual approval from his academic peers who happened to be evolutionists. Okay? Do you live for the applause of man? Or do you live to please God? Um, so it's not just our, we've got to place our spiritual needs above our physical needs, even above our intellectual needs. How would you like to be teaching at a school and, uh, and then find out every, all the other teachers believe in evolution and you don't, and they start making fun of you? What if it costs you your job? What's going to come first, your spiritual needs or your physical needs? Okay? A great portion of people who have been vaccinated. We have people in the church that have been vaccinated. We have people who haven't been vaccinated. Okay? But a good portion of the people that got vaccinated, some believed that was, it was the best for their situation. They looked at the info and went there. Others thought, man, this is all experimental. And I don't trust the government powers. And I'm not sure about this. You know, like my response to the vaccine was, give me five or ten years. Let me watch all the experiments going on, see what happens. And then when, the, when Pfizer doesn't want to reveal what's going on for 55 years, which is what they told the courts, it's like, what are you trying to hide there? And, uh, but there's a big portion of Christians who got vaccinated because the alternative was losing their jobs and not being able to take care of their families. And um, uh, if I was in that same situation, I don't know. I might have made that same choice. Vaccines are not the mark of the beast, but all I'm saying is we live in a day and age where our government is asking us to make, the cho make choices the government wants us to make or there's no place for us. Uh, former Mayor de Blasio in New York City, if you didn't have proof of vaccination, you couldn't buy or sell in New York City for a while. Okay, that's why he's not the mayor anymore. Uh, but uh, there was an uproar against that. But who's, the, I mean, this is Mark of the Beast type thinking. You do what the government says, we want to do some invasive procedure into your body and you can't buy or sell without it. So basically, all I'm saying here, don't go home and say, oh, Pastor Phil's slamming me for being vaccinated. or what? No, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is our government is already in the business. The governments of this earth are already in the business saying, you will do things our way 
on choices dealing with your health or with economics, and if you don't, there is no place for you. Okay? We have got to make that decision. I'm going to set my mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Okay? I'm actually grateful for this whole COVID thing. Because it caught us all off guard when they shut down the churches and they shut down. Pastors were like deer caught in the headlights. Well, I think we're going to do a lot better. Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches are going to do a lot better second time around. Whether it's monkeypox or climate change or whatever the, the lame excuse that our government gives us, um, we've got to say louder than we said this, past, this last time, we've got to let, let the, our government know Jesus is the head of the church, not Anthony Fauci. Okay? And, um, but just keep in mind, if you do not get in the habit of setting your mind on spiritual things. If I don't get in the habit of setting my mind on spiritual things rather than earthly things, and then eventually I have to make the choice between the two, if I just keep choosing earthly comfort, earthly comfort, earthly comfort, earthly comfort, then in order to stay true to Jesus, if I got to give up that earthly comfort, yeah, so what Paul's saying, what I'm saying, you got to decide which side you're on now. Don't wait till somebody puts a gun to your head and says, deny Jesus. You make your choice now before it comes down. And, um, and so we got to live our lives, whether it's good days or bad days, we got to live our lives. We've been raised with Christ we got to seek things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things um, of the earth. We have to put our spiritual needs above our physical needs, above our intellectual needs, above our emotional needs. You know, for some of us, it's like, well, I don't like to be made fun of. I don't like when people call me names. Okay? Let me tell you, when you suffer for standing with Jesus, you get to experience a little bit of what Jesus experienced. Jesus created the universe, but when he became one of us, he knew what it was like to be abandoned. He knew what it was like to be alone, to be beaten. He knew what it was like to die. Jesus knows what we're going through, and he knows what we're going to go through in the future. We've got to put our spiritual needs above our physical, emotional, intellectual needs. We've got to put our spiritual needs first. Okay? And... Um, you know, uh, yes, I'd like to have that next meal. 
but don't don't be an Esau. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Okay? And not only is that stupid, but the Bill Gates of this world are willing to sell their birthright, if you will, for all the wealth on planet Earth. That's still a bad deal. We've got to choose which side we're on. And so I'm just going to close with that. We'll pick it up at verse 5 next week. But we've got to make the same decision. I'm just going to read one passage in closing. From Joshua 24. The Jews have conquered the, the promised land. And now Joshua's getting old. But there's still pagans, pagan Canaanites living in the promised land. And so Joshua gives a final speech to the people. He said, look, me and Caleb, we did good. We led you and stuff like that. But you got to finish the job. And, um, and so in uh, Joshua 24, um, verses uh, 14 and 15, he said, now... Joshua told the people, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. They used to worship many gods on the other side of the Euphrates River. And, and then their, their fathers also served false gods in Egypt. He says, Serve the Lord, that serve Yahweh, the God of Israel, the infinite personal God who created the universe, the triune God of the Bible. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, to serve Yahweh, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites, you know, the Canaanites, in whose land you now dwell. But then he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what Joshua was saying? I don't care what the false gods have to offer. I don't care what false religion has to offer. I don't care what the material things of this earth have to offer. I'm going to set my mind on things above. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Make that decision now. Don't wait. The days ahead... Um, you know, Jesus said, many who are first will be last, and the last first. We're going to look like the last here. All you have to do is proclaim the name of Jesus, and this world hates you with a brutal, cruel hatred. And how do we respond? I'm going to set my mind on the things of God, set my mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, it's so hard in America where we have so many material things where very rarely does an American even miss a meal. It's so hard for us, Lord, not to set our minds on the earthly things, the material things of this world. 
our physical needs, our emotional needs, our intellectual needs. And so I pray, Lord, that we would set our minds on things above, the spiritual things of heaven. That we would acknowledge, though we go through life and we get battered and beaten and we get knocked down and you pick us up, that the real us is seated at the right hand of the Father in the Lord Jesus. The world's not going to know that. They're not going to recognize that until your son, King Jesus, returns. And then we get changed in the twinkling of an eye and then they'll see who we really are. But until that point, Lord, help us, empower us to set our minds on things above, heavenly, eternal things, not on the passing things of this world. Lord, you've blessed us with so much prosperity here in America because of the faith of our forefathers. Those blessings are being taken from us. May we love you more in our health, prosperity, and whatever it may be, Lord. May we set our minds on things above. May we love your son, Jesus, more than everything this world has to offer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you.